Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Our sermon text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the second chapter. We'll take a look at verses 1 through 12. Again, this is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear now these words. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, over the last several weeks, Given that it's darker in the evenings than it used to be, and a little bit cooler in the evenings than it used to be, we've been watching a little more television than we normally do when it is sunny and warm outside. The problem is we don't really know what it is that we want to watch. Our TV is a so-called smart TV, which means that on top of all the hundreds of cable channels that we have to flip through, we also have access to YouTube and Peacock and Netflix Amazon Prime, Hulu, the whole bit. So we spend a whole lot of time just kind of flipping through what is available. And if you were to ask us, well, what is it that you were looking for? The answer would probably be, well, I don't know, but I'll know it when I see it. Does that sound familiar? It's like an old Jerry Seinfeld bit where he says, we really don't care what's on television. We care about what else is on television. (laughs) Or see if this rings a bell. Maybe standing in front of an open refrigerator or an open pantry door, your stomach rumbling a little bit, reaching in and moving things around, staring at what you have available to you, 
Again, not looking for anything specific, but looking for something. Not knowing it until you see it. Or how many of you are brave enough to admit that last December, maybe doing some Christmas shopping, whether online or in stores, had no real idea what you were out to get in the first place? And if someone were to ask you, what are you looking for? You'd say, I don't know, but I'll know it when I see it. What about in manners or matters of faith? What are you looking for? What are you seeking after? What are you searching for? And maybe most important, where are you looking? This week we hear the story of the Magi from the East, foreign astrologers who have traveled a great distance to satisfy their curiosity. And when they arrived to see Jesus bouncing on Mary's knee, the Messiah, the king that they were searching for, they knew it was him when they saw him. This past Friday, January 6th, is the day that on the church calendar we celebrate as the epiphany or the revelation of Christ to the world, particularly to these magi who were seeking for and were hungry for something else. And even today, now some 2,000 years after what we read about in Matthew, many in our world, many watching online, many of you here this morning maybe, are still searching, still hungry for something, still looking, still seeking for the one thing that satisfies us. And the question then again is, will we know it when we see it? Now this familiar story from Matthew contains a number of details that honestly are a little bit odd. One detail that seems to be missing, though, is that Matthew doesn't really give us a birth story in his gospel. The previous chapter, chapter 1, describes Joseph's concern when he learns that his fiancée, Mary, is pregnant. And then we hear about his obedience when an angel comes and says, everything's going to be all right, go ahead and marry her. But the actual account of Jesus' birth, one little tiny sentence at the end of chapter 1. And then all of a sudden we have these magi. Interrupting the story with a story of their own. They have seen a star, and these astrologers have determined that star means a new king has been born in Israel. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us a whole lot about these magi. Most of what you and I have come to believe about them, we get from tradition and not from the Bible. First of all, we do sing about these guys being three kings from Orient, but like Lee said, they're not kings. And though just about all of our nativity scenes have three of them, we don't know that there were just three of them. And even though they were in our Christmas pageant on Christmas Eve, we don't even really know if they rode camels or not. And I have no idea who decided to give them the names of Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar, but it certainly wasn't Matthew. But what we do know from what Matthew tells us is that, yes, they were astrologers because they were studying the night skies. We can assume they have some measure or manner of wealth because of the gifts that they brought to Jesus. We can also guess that it's probably taken them a long time to get to Jerusalem, so it's safe to assume that they were not Jews, but instead were Gentiles. But here's the other thing that we know about these magi. The star they followed did not give them enough information to get them where they wanted to go. Did you notice that? Our friends, the magi, had to stop in Jerusalem and ask for directions. And when the Magi starts asking around Jerusalem for some guidance, that's where we get to see King Herod, and he hears about it. And Herod, yeah, he's not Jewish either, but more than that, he's not nice. 
He's already killed off by this point in his reign members of his own family who were threats to his power. And when Herod hears there's a new king in town, he gets a little bit nervous. And when Herod gets nervous, everybody else gets nervous too. Why? Well, because when Herod gets nervous and afraid, he becomes violent. So that's why we read about all Jerusalem being concerned and afraid as well. Fear, after all, is a powerful motivator, isn't it? Advertisers play on our fears every day, assuring us that their products will help us with whatever it is we are afraid that we lack. The daily news headlines are always written to shock us to a higher level of anxiety, so we'll make sure we tune in again half an hour later or click on the link to the article to read a little bit more. I saw an article this week about this passage that said that we live in a world riddled by fear, a world of devastating superstorms and elementary school massacres, a world where innocents die every day to preventable illness and hunger. And what is at the heart of Matthew's story of Jesus' birth is this, the promise that it is precisely to this world that God came to, to this people so mastered by fear that we often do unthinkable things to each other and ourselves that God loves. And is this escaping need for a Savior that we have that God remedies. Yeah, Herod's first response was fear, but his second response actually was a good one. Because what does Herod do? Herod starts a Bible study. You see that? It was Herod who made the connection between the Magi's question of where is he who was born king of the Jews and the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about the Messiah. Herod was the first one to recognize that this new king was not just any king, but the anointed one of God, the Messiah, the Christ. So he had his advisors do what? Go to scripture and find the answers that they needed. Friends, what we learned this morning is that knowing where to find the answer in Scripture isn't enough either. The chief priests and the scribes knew their Bible, but they didn't know Christ. The Magi were looking for a human king in a Jerusalem palace. What they did not realize is that what they were seeking was God. Now, the Magi may have been distracted by their expectations, but once Herod sent them on their way, a wonderful thing happened. They once again caught sight of the star they had been following. It had been there all along, but their side trip to see Herod kind of blocked their view a little bit. Instead of trusting the sign they had been given, they had been pulled aside by their own ideas of what a king should look like and where a king should be living. But out on the road again, they could see the star, and they were overjoyed. And they followed that star to the very place where the child Jesus could be found. They found him, and they knew it when they saw it. The star by itself was not enough to show the Magi where they needed to go. The detour through Herod's Bible study had allowed Scripture to speak into their lives, clarify the blurry views they held, and point them in the right direction again. Let me say that part again. They allowed scripture to speak into their lives, clarify the blurry views that they had, and point them in the right direction again. Friends, that's why scripture is so important to our faith. That's why we read it together each and every time that we gather for worship. 
That's why our daily Bible reading plan is so important and why our individual reading of God's Word, friends, matters so much. Scripture forms us. Scripture clears up our blurry vision and our confused expectations. Scripture helps us to make sense of our experiences. Scripture is the lens through which we can interpret our lives. But Scripture can only have such an impact on us when we recognize what it shows us and we allow God's Word to work in our lives. When the Magi caught sight of that star again, they were overjoyed because Scripture had shown them what the star really meant. They weren't just looking for any old king anymore. They were seeking a Messiah. They were looking for the face of God. And their encounter with Emmanuel, God with us, changed them. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the next line says, they went home by a different way. Friends, anytime you see that in Scripture, what that represents is some kind of a change. A change in heart, a change in mind, a change in understanding, a change in life. Their lives were changed. Finding God, friends, requires us sometimes to look in unexpected places, <clears throat> but it also requires interpreting everything we see through the lens of Scripture. God is with us from beginning to end, revealing himself to us in unexpected ways, including us in the family of God. One of my commentaries this week said, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, the living, breathing, and vulnerable promise that God chose, God chose <clears throat> to come live and die for us as we are, so that in Christ's resurrection, we too might experience newness of life. Friends, are you willing to let Scripture speak into your life? To let Scripture clarify the blurry views you hold? To let Scripture point you in the right direction? Open your Bible. Every day. Set a reminder on your phone if you need to. And find Jesus revealed to you through the pages of God's Holy Word. If you are seeking answers to any of life's questions, friends, they are found in the pages of Scripture. There's a New Testament scholar named N.T. Wright. Many of you may know who he is. He just spent a number of weeks at Asbury Seminary, where I graduated from. And he had a sit-down interview with Winfield Bevin. Some of you might remember Winfield from his preaching time up the beach. But in that interview... N.T. Wright tells Winfield, he says, if you're not reading Scripture day by day by day, you're implicitly reading other things, which is taking its place. That's true, isn't it? If we're not reading Scripture day by day by day, that means you're reading something else that is taking the place of Scripture. So open your Bibles, friends, and not just that. Yes, Jesus is revealed to us through the pages of Scripture, but he's also revealed to us in times of prayer. Revealed to us when we gather with other believers. Revealed to us through worship. Revealed to us through Sunday school. Revealed to us through small groups and Bible studies and youth groups and FCAs and all the other organizations that we have access to. Jesus reveals himself to us in service to the community. And Jesus reveals himself to us in simply taking those moments in our lives to slow down, breathe, 
and let the love, grace, mercy, joy, hope, strength of the Lord just wash all over us. This morning, friends, I want you to know that Jesus is here for you. We talked about it on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. To you and for you is born a Savior. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online. His hands outstretched, his arms open, waiting for you to find him and turn every aspect of your life over to him. And so, friends, the question becomes, how is it that we choose to respond? When God breaks into our lives with the unexpected miracle of his grace, what will we do about it? Will we be afraid, like Herod, of losing what little power we hold? Afraid of losing what control we think we need to maintain in our lives? Or will we go through the motions of religious activity like the scribes and priests who search the scriptures but did not recognize what the scriptures were saying to them? Or will we step outside of our own expectations and allow ourselves to encounter the living God in the person of Jesus Christ? To have our lives changed by him. Will we know him when we see him? I pray that we will. And that we can celebrate by saying, I found him. And in the finding, find our lives to be changed forever. And then we can go home a different way. Friends, our Christmas parade float that we had in the town parade and the theme here all during Advent was that wise men and women still seek Jesus. Wise men and women still seek Jesus. The question for us this morning, friends, is do we? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.